Hey, how are you doing? I'm Steve Folland. I am currently uh, at Stansted Airport. I'm about to get on a plane to France, but while I've been waiting, I've been editing what happened yesterday. It was National Freelancers Day, and I got together with the people at Ipsy to record a special live episode of the podcast, which is what you're about to hear. As ever, it is supported by the lovely people of Free Agent who support over 80,000 freelancers and small businesses with their finances every single week. You could be one of them. Sign up for your free trial at freeagent.com slash being freelance. But right now, let's go back to Steve yesterday when it wasn't like half past five in the morning and I was a little bit more awake. Welcome to a very special episode of Being Freelance because we are live in London at the Ipsy National Freelancers Day 2019. And not just one guest, but two guests. We have got Harvey and Iona, who won at last year's awards, the National Freelancers uh, Awards last year as well. Um, As ever, though, how about we get started hearing how you got started? Harvey, uh, would you like to start? How did you get started being freelance? So my journey into kind of the world of freelance and enterprise started um, in 2013 when I was 15 at school. I um, started my own IT support company through a school enterprise competition where teams got £25 to start up a business (laughs) idea, (laughs) which isn't a lot. Um, but it's, um, it was about seeing which teams were um, most successful over two school terms. And then after winning numerous prizes in that competition, um, I kept the business going through my GCSEs, A-levels and uni, um, just about. Um, and then, yeah, I managed to build up a reputation um, doing web design, social media management, so, so, <laughs> I just, so, when I was about 15 and we did like that enterprise thing, we put some sweets in a box and flogged them for 50p. You started an actual company, which then has become into your actual, I'm a company company. Yeah, it has, and that's not what I intended when I started, but it just kind of really took off more than I imagined. Wow. Did, 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 did you, after GCCs, did you do A-levels or, any, or college or anything else, or did you just crack on with it? So I, I did A-levels and then uni as well. Right. So, <laughs> um, so it's always been kind of part-time alongside studies. Um, but yeah, I originally started off doing IT support, so I'd go out and set up iPads and stuff to people. <laughs> but since then, it's kind of, uh, forged into, yeah, mainly social media management, but web design as well. Amazing. Yeah. So 2013. So are you, are you like 21? 22? Yeah, that's it, 21. Right, yeah. maths. <laughs> um, Iona, how about you? How did you get started being freelance? Wow, well, um, Harvey puts, to shame, puts me to shame. I don't know how I'm going to follow that up. Yeah. Well, I um, started life as a musician, and I... Um, was a classically trained musician and thought I was always going to end up in music. And I went to university, studied music, and then when I left, I wanted to do music as a, as a performing and recording artist and then also do some music journalism on the side. So I thought I was really living the dream at the time. It was in my early 20s, but it was also a few years after the financial crash. So it was quite a tough environment for uh, graduates. And I could see all my friends were really worried about the future 
and I was really worried about the future and I didn't know if I'd ever get on the housing ladder, if I'd ever be able to save money, if I'd ever be able to earn very much money. And um, the real uh, watershed for me came when I was um, doing these gigs in Glasgow and I would put all the earnings from these gigs in a piggy bank. And I kept this piggy bank in my bedroom at my parents' house because I couldn't afford to live out on my own at that time. And when I came back one evening, I discovered my room had been burgled. So somebody had got into the house and had, guess what, stolen the piggy bank. And it was about £600 worth of my earnings in there, which is a lot of money. When you're 23, it's a lot of money at any age, but it was like everything to me, age 22, 23. And I just remember having to give the police officer who was investigating it a statement later on describing what the piggy bank looked like and was saying, oh, I think it was pink. And he was like, did it have a tail? And I was like, I think it had a tail, yeah. I obviously never saw that piggy bank ever again. Um, but it just made me realise, I, I need to sort this out. This is such an important, fundamental aspect of all our lives, and yet I'm completely clueless about it. So I started the Young Money blog, just kept at it all the time that I was doing various jobs in financial media. And then a few years ago, I realized there was so much more interest in, in the whole agenda of young personal finance. I thought, I, I think it's time to really pursue this. And the best way to do that, I realized, was going freelance. And I've never looked back. Amazing. But so, so you are, so now you've got the Young Money blog as mm. part of your business. Yes. And then you're uh, like a, free, a, a journalist? Uh, what, yes. What would you? So I'd say that the Young Money blog is really at the centre of my career and it's non-profit. So I don't have any advertising or guest posts on there, which is quite unusual for a blog. Um, but I find that there are lots of opportunities that have arisen from me writing the blog. So I decided to subsidize it with all that other work. So yes, I'm a journalist. I contribute to the Financial Times and other um, national media titles. But I also am a speaker. I'm doing a lot more public speaking. And I've presented some programs for Radio 4. And I do a bit of consultancy as well. So I talk to financial companies about how they can connect with the next generation, which is something that very fortunately, they are starting to take more seriously. Cool. So the music, that's... The music I still do. Uh, in fact, I'm part of a group, uh, and we do gigs very often. Uh, in fact, my, my brother's here, who's the musical director of said group, and it's such an important... It's such an important thing for me to feel like, you know, financial journalism and money blogging isn't the whole picture. Um, and I think that's one of the joys of freelancing. You can be this well-rounded... Um, individual that's doing a lot in society and in the community and you're not just you know uh, you're not just in that one category in that one pigeonhole yeah so Harvey when you were finding your first clients and like beyond the you know going around somebody's house fixing yeah. their iPad sort of thing when you decided to actually make it uh, more of a business like how were you finding your first clients? So when I started, I actually I tried everything just to get my name out there. And I actually did a lot of free work, which looking back now, I wish I'd never done. Um, but because of my age, I didn't have the confidence to ask for um, payment. Um, but it, it did help me to get my name out there. And I find that what worked for me at the time was networking and sharing the story of how I got started. Um, now I mainly do networking and social media advertising, um, but fortunately now I'm, I'm in a good position where I get quite a lot of word of mouth recommendations, 
Um, so it's easier than when I first started, but I think my age didn't help for a start. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was mainly just getting my name out there, doing lots of little jobs just to build up a portfolio, really. Yeah, and then as you were leaving university and you realised actually now, you know, this can't be a thing on the side, this is my job. Well, Did you do anything different? So I actually finished uni a few weeks ago. So I'm still kind of in that stressful uh, situation about what, what do I do now? Because um, I've always run it alongside something else. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at at that's the minute. That's happening but now. Yeah. Um, but it's always been alongside my studies and, uh, and it has been difficult. And like people have said to me all along, you should be focusing on your grades. But now that I've been successful with the business they're all pretending that they knew that's what I should have done all along <laughs> so yeah it has been a, a strange journey really and are lots of your clients local to you or so originally it was mainly working with startups and small businesses in Sheffield where I'm based but now that I've grown a, a profile and um, they kind of spread all over the UK, so, which is good because I get to do lots of traveling around, which I enjoy. Um, but yeah, it did start off locally and now it's more on a national level. Yeah. And how about you, Iona? Like, how did you convert you know, what you were discovering yourself with your blog into being paid for that, I guess, personality and brand that you were creating? That's a very difficult uh, that's a very good question and it's, it's very difficult to pinpoint that moment in time where I, I had figured out exactly what I needed to do in order to uh, m make the Young Money blog uh, a sustainable career in its own right. I guess I, I totally relate to what Harvey was saying before about working for free because I now look back on a lot of my early experiences and realise that especially when you create something from nothing and when you are trying to get a brand out there that some people don't think is particularly important or necessary um, then they think they're doing you a big favor by giving you a platform or giving you an opportunity and if you're not very confident or well established then you buy that narrative and what has to happen very, very quickly is you have to realize your value and assert it and say, hang on, this has got value. That's why you're asking for it. Why else would you want me if it didn't have value? And for me now, my policy is unless it's an educational establishment or a charity, I'm more than happy to do pro bono work for those kinds of organizations. But if it's any kind of commercial organization, the very fact that I say to them, what's your fee? You need, we need to have that conversation, um, then it almost it vindicates their decision to ask me because I wouldn't be a very good young money blogger if I wasn't able to actually ask to be paid. <laughs> so I think it was just um, understanding that I could get paid to do things like speaking um, and, and so on. But I, I think it, it's also helpful if you put yourself out there. So I do a lot of media, I do radio, TV sometimes, and it's not easy because often you're, you're asked ridiculous questions by people who've studied the brief like two minutes before you go on air um, and you have to answer these unanswerable questions and sometimes you do get nervous or you do lose your thread and you do find it a very unnerving experience but when you get yourself out there especially in broadcast media 
that's when it opens doors because suddenly people see, ah, you've been on the BBC. Oh, you've been on radio. Oh, you've done this. It, it, it tends to give you that legitimacy and that, and that air of being an authority that, that really matters for the private sector and for getting more of that um, business work that I've been getting as well. Yeah. How are you creating those opportunities? Is it like a case of emailing lots of people at the BBC? or um, how I, you I tend to find that the wonder is not that it's been done well, it's that it's been done at all. And I think any young person who's prepared, who's bonkers enough to go on TV or radio and talk about money, people just think it's amazing. So <laughs> even if you, even if you're, you know, um, as I was in the beginning of my career, you know, not actually that knowledgeable about a lot of these subjects. You just have to say yes and figure out how to do it later. And um, I think once you start doing one or two of those appearances, thankfully, um, so long as you equip yourself perfectly well, then you do, you do tend to get asked again and again. And it does help that, that I'm a woman as well. And I think that perhaps now there's a realization that in order to close the uh, gender pay gap, as well as the gender pensions gap, the gender insurance gap, the gender everything gap when it comes to finances, one really powerful way of doing that is to have more women in public life talking about money. Um, so, you know, that has really helped me to get my message out there, not just about young money, but also how young women can perhaps feel more in control of their finances. Yeah. So how does your um, work life look now? Like, are you working, Harvey, from home? Do you have an office? Like, what, what's, what's your setup? Um, so I, I was in a co-working space, but I've got quite a young dog, so it's useful to work from home to look after her. So, um, but yeah, but working from home primarily, but I do prefer to be in a space where there's other people around, just because um, it's quite it's quite difficult working from home sometimes if you don't speak to anyone um, all day in person or over the phone. So. And because of the, the nature of what I do is online, I find that most of the time I'm just emailing and it's quiet. Um, but yeah, I suppose one of the challenges I've had since working from home is the work-life balance. It's easy to get carried away and um, like keep on working into the evenings when actually I should be saying, no, it's, it's like my time now to just switch off. How, how have you found like actually it's one thing to, to think that how have you found getting on making that happen for yourself um very difficult actually um i found that actually writing things on my to-do list to do um in my free time whether it's like go to the gym or for a coffee the cinema stuff like that if i write it on my to-do list i feel like i've actually got to do it and tick it <laughs> on, rather than just thinking oh I'll, I'll leave that until another day but I think being freelance, it obviously does have a, quite a big impact on your mental health. So you've got to kind of know those boundaries and be prepared to make a change if you need to. Yeah. How about you, Ayana? Uh, that been? definitely wouldn't work for me if I had a to-do list that said, let's go to the cinema, the gym, the pub. I would definitely <laughs> prioritise that over <laughs> doing my work. So that wouldn't work for me. But um, I'm, I still struggle with it. And, and I think that freelancers... Uh, very seldom reach this perfect destination where they have absolutely established rock solid boundaries between their work and their personal life because that's just that's not that's not what freelancing is like and as much as I think we'd like to have that at, at sometimes more than others we also do have to be quite 
flexible and, and have those porous boundaries too. I think it's, it's, it's more about a mindset and it's about um, taking your work seriously but not taking yourself too seriously. And then also um, just having certain rules about your in interactions with other people. And also, yes, having some rules for yourself about time that you'll take off. So recently I've, I've uh, decided to take Fridays off for the most part and work on Sundays instead. And the reason for that is people are constantly pestering you. I'm sure you get this as well, Harvey. You get, well, I say pestering you, you know, offering you work and things as well. And obviously, <laughs> when I say pester, I mean that, um, you know, towards the end of the week, you can start to feel, I start to feel very tired. You have to understand your own, your own energy cycles. And for me, I get really tired. Like, this point, late on Thursday, I'm starting to flag. So I know that taking Friday off makes sense for me. And then working on Sunday, I don't get anybody emailing me, so I can get all that deep work done, the writing, the strategizing, everything that, that I need to do and that always seems to be pushed to the bottom of the priority list. So you have to realize what's urgent and what's important, um, but it's, it's, it's an ongoing process, shall we say. Yeah, mm -hmm. you mentioned strategizing. So are you, are you somebody who plans? I've, been I've got much better at it. Um, I used to be a lot more reactive in my career because you go through a period when you're a freelancer where you think, oh my God, people want to pay me to do things. It's amazing. So you say yes to, to pretty much everything, whether it's paid or unpaid, um, whether it works for you or it doesn't work for you. And obviously then over time you start to realize what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So um, recently I've you know, wanted to start working on a second book all about investing and books don't write themselves. So unless you are really strict and say, well, I have got to carve out that time for myself and it might not be yielding me income in the here and now, but it's really important for my long-term career. You just have to keep telling yourself that. And that's the whole thing about being a freelancer, right? You have to be your own boss, but you also have to be your own editor, your own HR manager, forcing you to take time off when you won't, um, your own therapist, you know, your own accountant. You have to serve all those roles for yourself and sometimes you um, serve them you serve them well, and at other times you're, you're a bit lax. But um, yeah, I, I just have to figure out what, what's in my long-term interests whilst keeping enough of my short-term projects alive so that I can actually eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so have, have you found, now instead of saying yes to everything, you're getting better at figuring out when to say no? Yes, very much so. Um, and there is that period that you go through where it feels very uncomfortable saying no to something, especially when it's paid. It's a lot easier to say no to something when it's not paid, but when it is paid, it is hard. But you just have to push through that pain barrier um, because actually what you think is going to happen is that it'll all dry up. <laughs> and therefore, you'll be pining for all those opportunities that you said no to. But you realize that once you get to a certain stage, you know, things will keep coming in um, and there will be a spectrum and you want to hold out for, for the best work that you can. Um, but, but also be flexible enough if you have to perhaps bring in a bit more income at any given time that, yeah, you will, you will do certain jobs and it may be a little bit more for the money, but actually I don't do anything where it's just for the money. I've never been like that. I don't think I'd be doing the job that I'm doing, period, if it was just about the money. Um, but yeah, you've always got to weigh up all those different considerations. Yeah, and do, you, do either of you have like um, anybody who helps you business-wise, like be it a mentor or a coach, or like is there anybody in your life who has helped you? I don't know. Maybe it was your like maths teacher when you started. 
But like, is who's? Maybe you figured it all out yourselves. But is there anyone? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, for me, I've I've had um, a few mentors along the way, but I've not got anyone who's been constantly there, if you know what I mean. So. Um, I think like what Iona was saying, it, most of it you just kind of have to figure it out on your own. Um, but I mean, it's just it's just knowing how to um, ask for help when you need it, really. Um, so for me, I tend to um, get um, other freelancers in to help me when I either when I'm really busy or if I want to go on holiday, I'll get other people to like do stuff for me while I'm away so that I'm not coming back and doing all the work that I've missed. <laughs> so yeah, it's just knowing when to ask for help and I used to be really bad at it. Um, but then I've thought that a lot of people along the way, they do naturally want to help you. So it's just having the courage to say, uh, can you help me with this or put me in the right direction of someone that could do this for me. Mm. Yeah. When did you first like make a decision to hire somebody else? How did that go? Um, it was um, early last year, actually. I, I'd been putting it off for a while because I like to be in control of all of my work. Um, but then I actually realised that sometimes people can do an even better job than you. So <laughs> I was, um, I, I'm glad that I did make the decision to trust someone else with some of my um, tasks. And, and it has been a big help just to take pressure off me for those like admin tasks that I don't like to do. Oh, so, right. yeah. So, is it mainly admin stuff that you've gone for? Yeah, um, and because I mainly do social media media management, it's getting someone to help me with writing the content. Because um, I go through periods where um, I might have more clients or I'm really busy with lots of other deadlines. So, trusting someone to write that content for you has been key for me, really. Yeah, and you find your, is there like a real challenge to um, kind of outsourcing, like as in to manage somebody else? It, it has been. I've had a few experiences where people have not been as good as what they've made themselves out to be. But um, I think if you find someone that you know is really good and you can trust them, then it, it's, it gets easier to hand over the work because I found when I started doing it, I was wanting to be in control all the time and checking on them but once you trust someone I suppose that you're just happy to let them get on with it. Yeah. Now both of you won here last year. Well congratulations by the way for your accomplishments. Mm -hmm. um, how, how has that made a difference uh, if at all like over this past year? Like, Have you noticed I know a difference since winning that award? A huge difference because it really helped to vindicate the work that I'd been doing through Young Money, um, because I think it, it had been a bit of a Cinderella subject up to that point, um, partly because, you know, the financial industry is, has had such a long track record of really neglecting young consumers, but also the mainstream media has been pretty patchy at providing really good, fair, balanced, sympathetic coverage of personal finance issues from my generation. So I felt that with, with Ipsy's award, because I knew going into it that it was impossible to, to put freelancers side by side, every freelancer is so different 
Um, and it's like comparing apples and pears. So in a way, with awards, you, you have to say, I know it's so cheesy to say that everyone's a winner, but it is true to say that everybody who put themselves forward were all completely equally deserving of, of the award. So you just feel this great responsibility to want to take that title and use it for some good. And I think another thing that's been really beneficial is that it's really shone a spotlight on freelance finances. Um, and we all know how important keeping on top of your money is when you're a freelancer. But right now, out there in the world, there's a massive misunderstanding about who freelancers are, you know, and, and sometimes a bit of a mean, unfair perception that we're all freelancing to try and avoid tax uh, and do all sorts of dodgy things with our money. But actually, you know, in many ways, we are the backbone of the UK economy. We contribute so much. We take on so many risks. You know, we, we, we are so self-sufficient and, and re reliant on ourselves. And therefore, you know, we need to make sure that we have a system that, that represents that contribution, that, that recognises that contribution. So I've done a lot of work on freelance finances over the last year, um, thanks to the Ipsy Award. And that's been, I, th I hope, I hope that's been really helpful for the freelance community. Also, so winning gave you confidence in yourself, mm. but also gave you an extra platform, an extra excuse to contact people and yes. get that out there. Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, and, and because I suppose I hadn't necessarily identified very strongly as a freelancer up to that point, maybe. I think a lot of people find that they fall into freelancing um, or it finds them rather than you find freelancing. And, and therefore, once that award happened, it, it kind of allowed me to feel much more comfortable in that identity uh, and, and to show that actually this isn't some accidental stopgap because especially in journalism, it's very unusual to find, well, maybe, maybe not now, but it used to be when I was a freelancer starting out, it was very unusual to find young women who weren't mums. Um, it was seen, well, why, why, it was seen as unusual. Why wouldn't you just go into a newspaper or go into a, a website and work your way up? That provides you with way more job security. So it was good once I won the award to be able to show that it's an option for everybody. It's not just an option for, for this kind of person. It's an option whether you're young, whether you're further on in your career, whether you're a parent, whether you're not a parent. You know, there are all sorts of personal, you know, philosophical, spiritual reasons why you might be a freelancer. And I think it's been really good to highlight that with the diversity of the winners, both last year and this year, too. And how about you, Harvey? How about your past 12 months? Yeah, so it, it, for starters, it kind of gave me a stamp of approval. Um, and I, it did give me a big boost in confidence because I thought, oh, um, they must think that I'm really good at what I do. So um, it's been... Um, really good in terms of being able to take on bigger projects which people might have not come to me for that sort of thing before um, but also just um, I've rebranded recently with the Ipsy prize money that I got and that's something that I wouldn't have had the confidence to do if I hadn't won the award it's kind of pushed me into offering a more premium level service and knowing that I am good at what I do and just it gave me that confidence to be more selective of who I was working with as well. Uh, but I've also used the award to do more speaking and to go into schools and, and to say, uh, you know, I was here a few years ago and this is what I've gone on to do, which has been really important for me. 
Awesome. And it also is, is it's, it's amazing for putting you in contact with other awesome freelancers. And I mean, yeah. I was really lucky, you know, like Harvey, I invested some of my prize money in revamping my site, which I thought was quite important. If you're going to have the Young Money blog at the center of what you do, you want it to be a good experience when people go on there. And one of the other finalists last year did my website for me. And I think up to that point, I'd taken the attitude that I could do everything myself. And it was really humbling to realize, no, I can't, actually. And there are some people that out there who've got awesome skill sets. Why not take advantage? So, um, so she did a great job for me. And that was such a huge advantage in winning as well. Nice. On the podcast, I always say you get three facts, two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. Today, we're going to do it slightly differently. Uh, because we've got two guests. So they have got two facts each. Only one of them is a lie. They have figured this out themselves. I know nothing about it. So I'm with you guys and figuring okay. this out. So we're going to have four facts, two between you, two each. Only one of them is a lie. Harvey, let's start with you. What's your first fact? Uh, so the first one is that I once had lunch with Levi Roots, um, <laughs> which was a bizarre experience. But yeah, that's my first one. Um, Iona, what's your first fact? And my first fact is that I pretended to be my own agent, like Annika Rice, for about three years. <laughs> <laughs> your second fact? Um, so I once uh, got kind of stuck at the top of the um, Royal Bank of Scotland headquarters. Um, it was like a building site up there, but I really wanted to see the roof, so I, I went up to the top floor and didn't know how to get back down. <laughs> <laughs> and your second fact, Iona? Uh, my second fact, when I was a musician uh, and I was in a band, we did a gig in a men's urinal. And during the gig, a man walked in and used one of the urinals. <laughs> God. OK. You met, where did you meet Levi Roots? Um, so I, I did a talk at Westminster Kingsway College. Um, and he, I was like the warm-up act <laughs> for him. Um, and yeah, we got to go for lunch afterwards, nice. which was And cool. he's the reggae, reggae sauce dude, Yeah. Right? So yes, yeah, so if you're listening to this around the world, he was like a big, on like Dragon's Den Shark Tank type show. Yeah. So he was, wow. But you also decided to, whilst touring a building, go AWOL into a building site just to see the roof. So it was, yeah, it was the first time I'd, I'd been in there and I was at an event that was on one of the um, high levels of the building, but I, it did have a good view, but I thought, oh, I wonder what it looks like up at the roof. And they'd, they'd obviously not finished building um, the headquarters properly. So me and a friend went up in the lift and then when we got there, the, the floor was just like, it hadn't been finished and then the lift wouldn't come back up. So <laughs> we were thinking. How did you get, how did you get, did you winch yourself down in there? <laughs> like in, in the, did down the chute that they put the bricks down in? So I imagine that RBS would afford to put on a helicopter to get you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thankfully, eventually it just, the, after pressing the lift several times, it did after about 20 minutes decide to come back up, but I don't think they were meant to allow anyone up to the top floor, no. so, yeah. Uh, so you pretended to be your own agent. 
Does yes. that mean you were actually on the phone or on emails, like pretending to be someone else? No, I avoided the phone as much as possible. Uh, in fact, it used to be the case that if someone would call, it would be like, oh, you just managed to catch me, the actual <laughs> talent. But on email, yes, it would definitely be a, a pseudonym. Well, what was your pseudonym? Who it was, was Ursula Smith. Good name. Yeah, I thought that would work quite well. Um, and I thought it sounded suitably glamorous and show busy. And why on earth were you playing a gig in a urinal? Um, well, that's a very good question. I think it was it was a festival in Glasgow where you would uh, we were doing gigs in all these unusual places, um, and we got obviously the very glamorous option of the men's urinal in a bar. Uh, and I, there was a notice on the door saying there is a gig going on in here. Try not to use the lose. But of course, when you've got to go, you've got to go. And this chap came in and he just went, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and he just nice. went, went and did his business. But the gig went on and I think people were pleased. <gasps> well, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> um, okay, if, so we're trying to find the lie. Remember, if you think Harvey's lie one about Levi Roots is a lie, clap, whoop, whatever it is now. Uh, we believe you. <laughs> if you think Harvey got, no, if you think Harvey's lie is the one about getting stuck on the roof. <laughs> Iona, if you think her lie <laughs> is the agent, Ursula, from Under the Sea. Oh, that's quite popular. Or uh, the um, playing the fiddle, somebody <laughs> having a piddle. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm torn there. Um, so other, they clearly think Levi Roots is true. I'm going to say, based on their... I don't think they believe the riddle... The, the, no, the line <laughs> on the most. And yet I sit there thinking, you'd be weird and sick to make that up. <laughs> but they you clearly, clearly think know, you're Steve. weird and sick. So <laughs> you that's go the line. It's the fact that, well, I didn't have an agent. I didn't pretend to be my agent for three years. So, so the urinal is true. Oh. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> you didn't pretend. Ursula, did you just make Ursula? Yes, up? I did. I Good. did. Yeah, yeah. Because it, uh, it, it used to be a kind of name that I would use for like alternative accounts, based on friends, obviously, Phoebe's sister. Yeah, not when you were just trying to defraud people. <laughs> Yeah, Ursula, please borrow my money for my hair. <laughs> my, my previous career. <laughs> uh, now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be, Harvey? Um, for me, it would be to stay in your own lane. So when I was starting out, I was looking at other people who I knew and online and thinking, oh, they've got it all together. Um, and actually, I, I always wanted to be like two years ahead of where I actually was. Um, and it, it made me quite down actually, but um, it made me realize that I just need to focus on myself. And one thing that I've realized is people that I used to look up to who I thought were really successful, they've quit now and no longer freelance and I'm still here. So it's just kind of focusing on yourself because then good things will come from that. Um, and obviously, I'm still here, so it's, it's worked out all right. <laughs> nice. And how about you, if you could tell your younger self one thing? I was going to say, when you asked Harvey to tell his younger self, <laughs> you're already so young. But yeah, <laughs> um, I think I would just tell my younger self to, to go for it. And I didn't, I didn't wait for anybody to give me permission to start my blog. I just did it. But at the same time, I think in the back of my mind, I did always have a feeling that I needed 
some approval, some external approval to, to do what, what I was doing. And I wish at times I'd been a bit freer and a bit more liberated to just go for it and not, not worry too much about what the consequences might be, what if it doesn't work out. Obviously, you know, understanding that, that you know, the fear of failure is, is something you live with as a freelancer all the time. But it's natural. It's almost, it's almost something you just have to price into being a freelancer. So um, yeah, I'd say to my younger self, um, relax and just go for it. Nice. Now, does anybody here in the room have a question that you've been sitting there thinking, but has popped up? Because we're, we're pretty much on time. But if there's anybody got a question at all, it's fine if you don't. Oh yes, and yeah, is there le any lemon drizzle cake left? Doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Which pub in Glasgow? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I think I might remember what it's called. I think it was the Captain's Rest. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were about to say, that, that was me. <laughs> You're the captain. <laughs> uh, we won't ask you to prove it. Um, guys, thank you so much. Congratulations on your win. So glad to hear that it's all going so well since. I'm sorry that we didn't arrange with your brother for you two to play us out at the end. Uh, but all the same, yeah, thank you so much. All the best being freelance. Give it up for Iona and Harvey.